When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, September 17th, 2020, which, fun fact, is the Chicago Bears' 100th birthday today. So happy birthday to our beloved Chicago Bears. I'm Rose Wildewitt. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We already met the Giants with Bobby Skinner, and now it's time to take things a step further with our weekly game preview. Nick, I know you had puppy class this afternoon. I had another football game, and I think both went exactly the same almost, which is terrible, I would assume. Yeah, so um, puppy class, we actually had to skip last week because the instructor got sick. So it was the first time back in two weeks, and Brady decides that the bathroom was his uh, you know, play area and basically just took a crap right on the floor. So first puppy to do that, so... Don't know whether to be proud or, you know, embarrassed. I was embarrassed, but yeah, that's exactly how it went at puppy school today. Yeah, and on the field, uh, we lost 30-0 to zero today, which the last game, if you're keeping tabs at home, or at least the schedule of Will's Middle School football, was 36-0, to zero, so we're getting better on defense. Actually, we gave up 22 points in the first half. Nick, I was telling you I made a pretty, I'm going to call it a good adjustment at halftime with how we were approaching defense. Only gave up eight points in the second half. Offense, we're still having a hard time really with anything but people are here for us to talk bears football not my football but i do like to give some quick updates and here's just a quick rundown of this week's preview we'll go ahead and open things off to just give some of our general thoughts on our week two opponent the new york giants we'll take a deep dive and discuss the major talking points at all three phases for the chicago bears along the way we'll share our x factors on each side of the ball who has the edge between these two teams and much more Towards the end, we'll discuss our weekly game plan as we share our strategy and how the Bears can win this game. And we'll wrap up the show like we usually do by sharing our weekly predictions, including our game picks that, as Nick and I talked about last week, does have some higher stakes. And Nick and I were both 1-0 for those keeping, well, again, score at home. I guess it's going to be how we'll start off the show. But Nick, did I miss anything? 
No, that sounds like the rundown and our new format, which I think is going pretty well through one preview, one postgame show. So, yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go ahead and begin with our initial perception of the Giants for me. They're not a good football team. They're not a very good football team. The Giants, they have some big issues that we'll discuss throughout the show, but they're also a team, Nick, that I don't believe the Bears can take lightly or lightly because if they do, the Bears will find a way to keep the Giants just hanging around in there. When I look at the Giants overall, they don't have me shaking in my boots, but over the last year, the Bears games, all the way going back to 2019, they're pretty darn close. We know that. We know what it feels like watching a Bears game. Uh, sad fact, not fun fact, the Bears have not won a game by a two-score margin since week four of last season, Nick. So just showing how close these Bears games are, and just due to that, and knowing that the Giants, they do have playmakers on offense, they're a potential threat this week, and only if the Bears allow them to be. And just knowing the Bears that we've seen over the last few seasons, they'll probably keep this game closer than it should be. But how about you? What's your just initial perception, your opening thought about the New York Giants? Yeah, when I think about the New York Giants, I think I go to their offensive line and just with that unit not being very good, below average at best, and you know, just thinking that the Bears may be able to exploit things there. And also when I think of the Giants... I'm thinking back to last year's matchup, and I don't know if you remember the play, Will, but I think it was Roquan Smith on Saquon Barkley where it's wide open, where Saquon Barkley just drops the ball. And then I think about last Monday night's matchup against the Steelers for the Giants, and, you know, Daniel Jones throws just a boneheaded interception in the red zone. So they're, they're right there, I think, in terms of being close to winning and getting over the hump. And we saw some good things from the Giants on Monday night football, so... Like you said, this is not a team that the Bears can take lightly because really they did that with the with the Detroit Lions for three quarters and almost they should have lost that game because DeAndre Swift can't catch a football. So, yeah, it's definitely not a team that you want to take lightly and Adrian Peterson has- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. A good day against the Bears. There's Saquon Barkley now. Obviously, we all know it didn't have the best day uh, against the Steelers, but you can't take this team lightly because the Bears are still trying to figure some things out. Yeah, I think they're at best the Giants are an average team here in 2020. But again, if the Bears just don't show up to play or uh, play down to the opponent, which they have done in the past, it could be a much more stressful game, which again, my heart's still overcoming what we witnessed on Sunday uh, than perhaps it should be. And we'll talk about it throughout. But speaking of just, uh, you know, opening and initial perceptions. Nick, you got your Manscaped box in the mail, and I know you've been uh, testing out some of the gear, uh, both uh, the technical gear as well as some of the apparel, and you have some pretty rave reviews of what Manscaped has brought over to you in the Moriano household. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you guys can see this on the podcast, but I'm wearing the Manscaped shirt here. But going to their products, Will, I think um, that's what people want to know about, and their lawnmower, improved lawnmower 3.0. And look, I think everyone's a little hesitant um, especially when you're dealing with the family jewels, right? But it makes everything just you, – you, the worry just kind of goes away, Will. Like you don't have to worry about anything. You just 
do what you got to do. And that was reassuring for me. And on top of that, Will, the boxers that they have there, you have to, I know you have the box too. You have to try them. So everything from Manscaped from top to bottom is premium quality. And that's what's so awesome about their product, their just everything that they have there. And if you want to get in on the action and, you know, you maybe try out the Lawnmower 3.0 or get a pair of boxers yourselves or whatever it may be, here's how you can make that happen. Um, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TCA at manscaped.com. And again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code TCA. Look, base I... I'm telling you that your balls will thank you, and that is not an understatement because of their great and premium products, but you just got to try it out. And look, if I'm telling you it's good, it has to be. So TCA at manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping. So everything went smooth for your first riding of the lawnmower? No issues? Everything went smooth. Yep. I, I'm still, yep, still got the family jewels All intact. intact. Everything's good. So, yeah, but um, it, it just, like I said, you just feel reassured. There's no kind of, like, you could feel maybe a little fr- hesitation, like, doing that. But, no, it, it's all goodwill. So that's what's so cool about Manscaped and all their products. Absolutely. And what I love about them, too, is they do allow a lot of their proceeds to go and help fight testicular cancer as well. They do really back a, a very great cause. I know a lot of our listeners uh would hold dear to themselves, and it's an issue that you know we all need to work towards continue to fight against. So, manscaped.com, code TCA, 20% off. They have great products, a great cause behind them. And, Nick, we told our listeners on the last show, this is a test run with Manscaped, and they need to see us use 10 codes in the first month of utilizing them. I think based on our count of fans reaching out to us, letting the, us know they use the code, we're at five. So we're halfway there already. It's only been one show, so help us out. Uh, with Manscaped, again, we're about halfway there, so we just need five more listeners using that code TCA. Get your 20% off, get your free shipping, protect the family jewels, and feel a little bit more hygienic uh, when it comes to the, that area down under. How's that? Sound good, Nick? It does sound good. Yeah, like you said, it is a test run, and a lot of people, or you know, five people have reached out and said they've used it, and they thanked us. Like, hey, thank you, Chicago Audible, for you know, giving this to us, and hey, thank you for you know, helping us out as well. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get back to offense. Uh, we have to talk about three major storylines or talking points on each side of the ball. And we'll begin with that Bears offense. And Nick, one of our bigger takeaways from the postgame show was just how darn impressive the Bears were when it came to establishing the run. It was super effective against Detroit. Simple question, complicated answer time. I don't think it's too complicated, though. Can the Bears do it again against the Giants? Because I think so. Yeah, I think it's set up to where the Bears could have another good day on the ground. Um, Just watching, look, the All-22 and NFL Game Pass was being a real pain this entire week. And I think they just released the All-22 early this morning today. So they didn't really get a chance to dive too deep into that. But what I was seeing with the Steelers had so much success with against the Giants, they love to pull their guards and get to the outside and really just gash that that Giants defense and seeing how the interior offensive line of the Bears how they played against Detroit gives me a lot of hope that they can have similar success or even more if they could just still commit to it and the Bears showed that hey they're going to put more tight ends in the game they're going to be under center and they're going to have an emphasis to run the football so just given the matchup how the Giants struggled last week and how the Bears were successful against Detroit I think this could be another week where we see Juan Castillo's new and improved rushing attack just kind of dominate this game against the Giants. 
Yeah, I mean, you hit on a really good point. I saw the same thing you did, using extra linemen, pulling them across the formation, and just setting the edge, creating a crease, and allowing, uh, that was Benny Snell for the Steelers, to you know turn up field and go for it. He averaged about six yards per pop, and I know the Bears, kudos to them, they led the NFL week one and expected rushing yards at 5.6 yards, expected every time they ran that football. The Steelers were third in the NFL in week one at 4.7 against the Giants, which means the Bears against this Giants defensive front should see similar results if everything goes according to plan. But like you said, they got around the corner pretty easily. The Steelers did against the Giants. I know the Bears focused a lot of that inside running with David Montgomery, even Tariq Cohen, but I can envision having that wrinkle of bouncing it outside a little bit more this week just because that's what Pittsburgh did so well. And really, if you can set that edge, the linebackers are a little slow to react. There's a lot of missed tackles, broken tackles, and I believe the Bears with David Montgomery, who's a great after contact, they can get him out in space on the outside. I think the Bears, too, can get this job done. And I know the Bears did a good job up front against Detroit. So for me, Nick, if they just play like they did, they should find themselves really being able to commit to the running game, which should help the Bears when it comes to passing the football. Is there anything else uh, with the Bears and the rushing attack this week you wanted to mention? Obviously, we're both in agreement that, A, we're very proud of the effort we saw on Sunday. And it was a bright spot. And it's something that we've been needing to see that we really didn't see at all last season. Uh, but is there anything else that you wanted to mention here? You know, I think outside zone, the running scheme that I think we're going to see a lot more as the season progresses, just with Juan Castillo's kind of system that he has in place, really, I would think, would cater to a Tariq Cohen and Cordell Patterson having big days on the ground, just guys that like to get on the edge maybe more times than they should. But just given how the Giants kind of played things, I would expect some maybe big explosive plays to happen, especially if you can get James Daniels just being that polling leading, you know, offensive lineman in front of those two guys. There, there, there. There's definitely potential for explosive plays in the rushing attack. So, yeah, I'm looking for that to be definitely a focal point come Sunday. Yeah, Daniels. I mean, Whitehair can do it. He's mobile. He's nimble. He can get across the formation in a hurry. And the Bears did a good job utilizing their interior linemen for that inside zone by creating seals with them crossing the formation, allowing some of the other guys to go upfield, get to that second level, and then that pulling guard getting that extra defender that kind of was let free. So if the Bears can do that again, it seems like Juan Castillo, I mean, he is... He's exciting because he has these guys firing in all cylinders, and I'm excited to see what they can do. And Nick, the tight ends, they did a pretty good job, too, of helping establish the run last week. And I think if you have them as some extra blockers, it just helps you set that edge just a little bit easier because you have multiple guys who can get and turn around some of these defenders, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I know I tweeted yesterday that it was Kevin Gilbride, who is not the tight ends coach. Clancy Barone also is really big help with the Bears rushing attack. So yeah, whatever is working right now for them, they just need to continue doing that and build off of it, obviously. Like we said in the postgame show, there were plays that were, I think there could have been more potential there. So as long as the Bears continue to improve in that aspect, they'll they'll be in a good spot. What are your thoughts about the tight ends now as a passing threat that Jimmy Graham had a couple drops uh, but they did target him a few times they targeted uh, Harris as well uh, overthrow by Trubisky not setting his feet in the back of that end zone should have been an easy touchdown really Cole Komet had the one target where he almost got lit up I know the tight ends for the Steelers didn't have really themselves a big day but you can't really take that as everything but do you believe the Bears can or will they get the tight ends more involved this week 
You know, I think it's something that we we would like to see just because of what was coming into this season, how they played in training camp. You know, there was a play from Cole Komet just watching back the film where I thought Trubisky definitely could have hit him. It was just on a little option route. It was a play-action play play action play under center and Trubisky kind of just holds the ball a little bit too long he ends up running and just throwing the ball and it becomes incomplete but it looked like Cole Komet could have had his first reception but I do want to see more of an emphasis to kind of get those guys involved um it look early in the game Jimmy Graham and Mitch a little off right and then obviously they get that touchdown right corner in the end zone with that little fade but yeah, I would like to see it because you have the number uh you know 43 overall pick in Cole Komet a guy that you expect to be a big part of this offense at some point. And we know Titans take a while to get acclimated, but you just want to see more targets. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. It's at least at least more times where they're looking to that direction. Yeah, for me, I don't know if this is the week, though. Uh, they did a good job, like I said, against the Steelers. But what, for me, maybe changes my mind. Again, we want to see it, and we want to see those targets. But I also want to see more targets for Darnell Mooney. Uh, and also when you're looking at this uh, giant secondary, I think I like the matchups better when it comes to the wide Oh, you do too. I see that look on your face. So we're thinking alike. Like the Bears with these wide receivers against the corners of the Giants, I think this is where your mismatches are. This is where the Bears can find a way to make plays. And I think the linebackers for the Giants, too, they're not bad in coverage. Blake Martinez, he has his up and down games, but overall he's a sturdy guy. And I think when you look outside, that's where things get very interesting for Chicago this week. The Giants, they allowed a big day for Juju Smith-Schuster. He had those two scores, as well as a smaller name. Deontay Johnson had himself a day. So when I'm looking at Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, heck, Darnell Mooney, what are you expecting there, Nick? Do you see big days for at least two guys in Robinson and Miller? But I wouldn't be shocked one bit if Darnell Mooney, who was open on a few more plays than he even had targets for, his role to perhaps expand to just a little bit this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just don't think the Giants overall, this their secondary is very good in covering guys. Um, I know last year they, they were ranked in terms of coverage, one of the worst teams in the NFL and now you got to factor in they do have a new defensive coordinator this year um, coming from the Dolphins and they do like to play a lot of dime defense and you know the Giants weren't very good playing dime defense so they're going to have a lot of these smaller defenders out there and I think I remember too Will in our preview show from the last Giants matchup Isaac Yidham we said get him, get, get him, get him. Some, yeah, all right. right. So he showed up again uh, for the Giants, not covering Juju Smith-Schuster on a crosser over the middle for a touchdown. So there are matchups throughout the secondary for the Giants. So you're looking at the Bears. There's opportunities for, again, these big plays to happen, this offense to really open up, not just in the fourth quarter, but throughout the entire game. But yeah, I remembered Isaac Yidham, Yidham, Yidham. So exactly. I think it's going to be a lot of that come Sunday again. Dude, it was like, it was like a light switch. You said Yidham, and I was like, Yidham, Yidham. I mean, as soon <laughs> as you said it, it took me back to last season. That's great. 
Oh, that's awesome. That well, oh, wow, that was a throwback, but I love it. Yeah, get him, get him, don't change it. Uh, but also, when you're looking at these corners, Nick, I mean, oh man, Ballantyne, Holmes, Bradbury, they can all be beat. Uh, each of them last week or on Monday, they gave up 11 yards per catch and a passer rating. Each one of them allowed a passer rating over 105 when they were targeted by Big Ben on Monday Night Football. There's always like, I don't know, when you're watching it, they're a step behind. They're not in a position to make a play in the point of a catch. So I think Mooney, he can kill him with his speed and his route running. Miller, almost the same thing when you think about it because he has such a precise route running expertise to him. Uh, I think that's how he can really get himself some easy throws. And Robinson, he's shifting. He can get open, but even if he doesn't have the most separation, I expect him to go up and get it uh, over these guys. They're not people who overly concern me and it doesn't seem like, seem like you are either so tight ends we'll see but wide receivers the bears need to find a way to exploit and win these matchups right absolutely and also last season the giants defense was 32 in the nfl against slot receivers you see what juju smith schuster did who lined up 40 percent or 40 snaps out of his 60 in the slot he had a pretty good day that's anthony miller time that's just anthony miller waiting to explode against this um, giant secondary. So, like you said, the matchups are in favor of these Bears wide receivers, and hopefully that the the Giants just play a lot of that dime defense like we saw on Monday night because I think that really plays into the Bears' favor. Yeah, and that's up to Nagy. If they're going to go out there and play three tight end sets, you're not going to see that dime package too much. you got to find a way to spread them out, force them into that package, and just go out there, attack it, and beat it. Of course, Offensive line, they did a pretty good job of protecting Trubisky week one. We'll need to see that again uh, because if not, uh, we'll talk about it here actually just a second. That's what happens when you get pressure in Trubisky's face. I think everyone knows the answer. But, Nick, on the last postgame show, uh, we talked about, and everyone knows, the Bears were just god-awful on third down. Uh, they were worse in the NFL week one. Well, they were tied for worse in the NFL, but that doesn't really make me feel any uh, bit better. Two of 11 on third down. So when I got the All-22 this morning, for about the 30 minutes you allowed me to look at it, by the way, <laughs> because you kicked me out of Game Pass, and that was nice. I let you have it. But what did I do? I went back and I rewatched every single third down snap for the Bears. I went, oh, what the heck went wrong? Well, a little bit of everything. Uh, out of all of those 11 third downs, I'd put maybe three or four misses purely on Mitch uh, in terms of bad decision-making, uh, throwing a ball a little bit too soon, and not allowing the play to fully develop. Outside of that, there's a couple in terms of no separation. Receivers weren't really getting open. Uh, just bad execution overall. And just also just poor spots. Very first third down, we had the third and one. QB sneak. Okay, didn't work. We did not see a third and less than seven until our seventh third down of the day. It was after that third and one, it was third and seven, third and seven, third and 12, third and nine, third and seven. They weren't good in putting themselves in any favorable position on third down. And the one the Bears converted late in that uh, third quarter, right before the third quarter ended, uh, it was a third and, let's look, third and 10. And that was when we actually got things going there. So for me, the Bears averaged uh, before that third down conversion, their first one of the season, about third and eight was their average. That's not going to cut it, Nick. Third and eight's not going to cut it. They have to find ways if they're going to be in third down. Again, mistakes are going to happen. Execution's going to fail. But the Bears being in third and eight, this offense with Mitch, it's not going to be built to overcome third and eight consistently. We saw that. Later on in the game, they got better. Third and four, third and two. Third and two is a touchdown pass. Third and four actually didn't make it just due to a bad accuracy on a pass. 
So even if you get close, it's not a gimme. But the Bears need to be in third down situations that it's not going to be a pass every single time because teams are going to dial back. They're going to get after Trubisky. That's what Detroit did. That's what the Giants would do. So the Bears need to find a way to put themselves in non-obvious passing situations on third down at least some of the time. I don't. It doesn't need to be every time. That's crazy to think that's possible. But come on, third and eight on average, that's not going to help you one bit. You got to get that down to six or five, somewhere just a little bit closer because maybe you can do a screen. Maybe you can do a draw play. Not third and eight, third and 12. Not going to happen. Third and 13, that's another one as well. So for me, it looked like a mixed bag of everything went wrong on third down. Luckily, I know for uh, the Giants, they were about middle of the pack on third down defense. But is there anything else when it comes to third down that you saw that you want to see cleaned up? Well, I think it was what was happening on first and second down that really equated to the Bears just being in that bad situation and that average of third and eight. So I think for the Bears to put themselves in the best situation to actually convert and not have to wait till the closing minutes of the third quarter for, I think, what what was it, Anthony Miller, like, seam route in between the safety and linebacker. That was the first third down conversion. You just need to be better on first and second down. And really, the Bears at the beginning of the game and some of those drives, they were having success running the football. And then you have a, what, a, a toss to Cordell Patterson on the right side that loses you some yardage. You have these plays that... I don't know if they're too predictable. Well, clearly, if they're losing yards in the backfield, they are. So really, for me, Matt Nagy just needs to be a little bit more consistent. I'm getting enough yards to so when you do come to that third down situation, it's not an obvious passing situation. You can be pretty honest because the Bears are running the football effectively. That should be an option, an actual option. Maybe third and eight kind of gives it away that you're going to lean towards a pass so it really is just getting enough yards on first and second down to where when it comes to third all options are available it's easily could be as run as it is a pass and once you do that you have a defense guessing they're playing a little bit slower than they're accustomed to and that's where good things usually happen for an offense and you can sustain drive so I think that's going to be key for this one because like we just said we can't overlook the Giants that's how you get beat so I think it's about winning first and second down absolutely it is and okay we talked about it very first point the Bears can run this football if you can get third and five third and four there's a chance you can run it for a first down and it's not an obvious rushing down it's not obvious passing down you can keep them guessing that's when you can really use play action effectively and keep a defense guessing so yeah I agree with you Nick just finding a way to make it a little bit closer one thing I need to address in the chat, I see Don Burr's in there, and he's a little salty of how this game went out. Uh, he mentioned Matt Stafford is 10-5 and against the Bears. He's been around longer than that. He hasn't played only 15 games against the Bears. He's actually 9-10 and um, against the Bears, Don. So just letting you know in the chat that he's only 9-10, and not 10-5. and I uh, don't know where he found that number, but check your sources. All right, anything else there, Nick? <laughs> I, just, I had to do it. I mean, I, I let him roll in that chat all the time, but I had to at least put him on the spot there. Like that's inaccurate. Yeah, don't throw don't if, throw inaccurate stats out there. I wonder if Don ever goes to Lions, like you know, podcasts or no. He's, he's probably a Bears fan at heart. Honestly, the fact that he's here so much. Yeah, probably it makes sense. Yeah. All right, but anyway, let's get on podcast listeners. Like, who the heck's this guy? You're better off not knowing. But anything else on the offense, Nick? I know there's. I think we hit on all of it. I mean, we don't need to harp on Mitch. We know it was a up and down game. Fourth quarter, things change and. I think I have some points later on the show for him, but anything that you perhaps wanted to mention, anything else on offense that you wanted to hit on or discuss with me? You know, I wonder, I mean, obviously depending on what you want to talk about with Mitch later um, in the show, but I think just with him, I feel like a lot of, 
there's a good amount of people that hey he had a good game uh, on Sunday against and against the Lions and I just don't think that's you can't just forget three quarters of football and say hey he led him to a great comeback which he did which is great which you, is what you want to see but there are a lot of things that came up in the first three quarters that we've seen from Trubisky time and time again. So I don't want to go too far into it. We'll probably talk about it a little bit later. But yeah, the the Mitch Trubisky, I guess, experiment is still ongoing. It is, and it's unfortunate. I'm, I'm not giving him a full benefit of the doubt because I would be silly if I did that because it did look so reminiscent. I'm just going to, again, with everyone, and we're, we're going to talk about a player on defense that we're both very concerned about. But the fact there wasn't a preseason, the fact that there was a weird training camp with a ramp-up period and things like that, I'm giving guys at least a couple of weeks here to get their footing before I make any final judgments on them because, it's, I mean, week one, the NFL is very fluky as it is. I mean, teams can blow really good teams out, end up losing the next five games. We don't know. So it's one of those things where I'm taking this game by game. Give me a few weeks, and I'll make some really I'll make some thoughts on Trubisky, and we'll make them clear. But like you, we have to see better. But what we saw in the first three quarters is not enough for this Bears team to win. Luckily, it was enough week one, but it wouldn't be enough. Heck, I don't know if it'd be enough this week. I know the Giants aren't the best, but we have some tough teams coming up here getting close. That kind of effort won't do it. So we'll we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But let's go ahead. Let's transition to the Chicago Bears defense. And last week, Nick, I, I, I'm kind of eating my words uh, just a little bit. I got a little bit bullish uh, about life without Eddie Goldman. Uh, and maybe it wouldn't be so bad, uh, but I think we actually missed them a ton last week. So are we officially more concerned? Because we started off when we heard about him opting out, super concerned. And then we talked ourselves into, you know, we can live without Eddie. We'll figure out a strategy and we'll get guys shifted around and be okay. But after last week, I don't know. Is it going to be okay? That's a good question. I think it's yet to be seen because Chuck Pagano was clearly not when he was speaking to the media today, uh, basically saying that none of the, him included Matt Nagy, the defense, they weren't happy about the performance on Sunday against the Lions, and they shouldn't be because that unit, like we said in the post game show, didn't look like it had that ferocity, that that want, that drive, that like dog in the fight. It didn't. It wasn't there until the fourth quarter really happened where they. You know, they needed to make some stops. And when it comes to, you know, letting Adrian Peterson, of all people, really run all over you and be the enforcer, that is concerning because holes were opening up. You saw linebackers not fitting the right gaps. You saw, you know, again, without Eddie Goldman, they can exploit some of those things. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, you know, wait and see and see if this unit can actually improve, which I think it will. Look, I don't think week one was what they're going to be for the rest of the season. They're way better than that, but they have to maybe just do some things a little bit differently because without Eddie Goldman, you have other guys that are not true nose tackle. Like, Roy Robertson Harris is not nose tackle. Bilal Nicholas is not a nose tackle. So you have to compensate for maybe doing something a little bit differently with your front, and if Pagano doesn't adjust then I think we're going to see we're going to continue to see the same exact problems. Yeah, I, I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to is the ability to adjust. My issue, though, Nick, is when I watch like a John Jenkins or if I watch Bilal Nichols, at least week T, uh, well, week one, that's the only week we got, but at least when I watch the film from last week and they're playing nose, either of them, they're not absorbing double teams well. They're getting turned out of these plays and they're allowing 
uh, either the center of the guard, whoever's working on that exchange, to A, turn them around in a hurry and then reach that second level and get to a Trevathan and get to a Roquan Smith, which really opened up the running lane. Or even worse, if it's a one-on-one matchup, they just get completely washed out of the play as well at the point of attack, turned around, can't even get close to the play to make anything happen. And what Eddie Goldman does so well is he's so strong and he's so big, he doesn't really get turned too much. He's able to stay square, allowing himself to... That's what, Nick, how many plays do you see Eddie Goldman make with one arm? Because he is square. A running back's going right by him. He's just like, nope, and gives him a big old bear hug. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Hug and sit some down. You can't do that when there's a guy in your face. He's able to turn you and drive you three yards away from the intended gap. It's just not going to happen. And unfortunately, I saw Jenkins do that. I saw Nichols do that. I know Nichols is stronger than that. And I know Jenkins is as well. I just don't know if it's just getting into a game and it's a little bit different from practice. So they weren't ready for that level of strength coming at them. But what Eddie Goldman does well, which is working those double teams. And when he's being single team and holding his gap and not going anywhere, those are the two things I saw both Nichols and Jenkins struggle with. And that uh, inability to hold their ground is what really, really worries me for this entire season, unless they prove me wrong here soon. But at least with one game as my sample size, highly concerned that they can't do that job. Yeah, no, I mean, it, like I said, wait and see, because they haven't proven that they can stop it, and they have another opportunity to maybe change that narrative against what could a good running back we know the offensive line's not good for the Giants but we gotta we gotta we gotta see it happen as opposed to just talking about it yeah yeah exactly and I know there's other issues you talk about Robert Quinn coming back and hope that helps and that needs to be well what are your thoughts on him real quick I'm trying to think if we had that later on in our notes yeah we have pass rushing next right that's what you and I wanted to talk about yeah, yeah. So, Pastor, I mean, you you don't want Robert Quinn to just solve all the problems because we were, we were talking about this on the post game. Like, if they need Robert Quinn every single play, you're being becoming way too reliant on a Robert Quinn. But he does provide that spark that you know wasn't there with Leonard Floyd being the outside linebacker. And also, I want to address this now. Going back and watching some of the All Twenty Two, and just I know it was pretty critical of Khalil Mack. Yes, we want to see the sacks. He still got to. The, he was still applying pressure on Matthew Stafford. He's still making a bunch of plays. So, you know, initial perception and then actually watching the tape, it tells two different stories. I think because we want to see the big impact plays, Khalil Mack is still Khalil Mack, and he still makes a heck of a lot of plays. But going back to pass rush, you still want to see other guys really step up. And I, I, I don't know. I think it was maybe just a week one game, Will, because there were times that every – Almost everybody on that defense was just making a player like, really? This is happening to start of the season against Detroit? It's very uncharacteristic, but I think the pass rush, if Robert Quinn does play, will be better. It has to be. I think that um, given the Giants tackles and how it's going to be a rookie against Robert Quinn at left tackle— and he struggles. He struggled a bit at times on Monday Night Football against speed rushes. That's where Robert Quinn really excels. So I'm kind of looking forward to that matchup. And then also with obviously Cleo Mack on the opposite end. 
Yeah, obviously we hope that Robert Quinn makes an impact. I'm just nervous just because, A, Nick, he hasn't really practiced. So we know Russ is going to be a factor, but Pace needs him to be a home run hit. Uh, when you're looking at the, Ly- at the Lions, well, he could, but the Giants, they're not really good at pass protection. They didn't do a good job with it at all. You're, uh, I'll call him your bidet buddy. Will Hernandez had a very <laughs> rough night um, in pass pro specifically. So if they do have Roy Robertson Harris on him or Belong Nichols, they need to find a way to win that matchup. I know he's your, I know he's your buddy. You guys have, you have the same kind of toilet at home, but not, not this week, Nick. Uh, you had enough with Hawkinson last week that I can't have you rooting for anyone else on the opposing team anymore. Yeah, no, can't can't do that. You know, it was also weird, Will, and, and I don't know if we were going to end up talking about this pass rush and how it plays into the Bears, but it seemed like, and I don't know if you saw this on film, like the Giants for some reason left a lot of unblocked defenders just kind of rush right in. Like you saw just whoever it was for the Steelers, really, they were just unblocked and like it didn't even have to really do much but go the course to the running back or you know to Daniel Jones and it was really taken care of right then and there so it was just weird how the Giants kind of block things as well so I wonder maybe if they they have to clearly fix that up and clean it up for this game against the Bears but if they continue to do that you know it makes Robert Quinn even you know Roquan Smith blitzing up the middle or Cleo Mack's job a lot easier do you think that the tackles for the Giants Thomas and Fleming those are mismatches that we can't, should exploit at least because I do. They didn't do a good job against the like per, uh, setting the edge for the run. They didn't do a good job in pass protection. I mean, these Robert Quinn and Cleo Mack should win this matchup. And even if they chip with a tight end, their tight ends did not do a good job in pass protection either for the Giants. So this should be yet another again matchup in favor for the Bears if they live up to the potential. I don't know why I would expect. I don't know how I could say Robert Quinn, Cleo Mack. Maybe this is going to be a tough battle because it shouldn't be. Now, maybe it'll end up being so, uh, especially if Quinn's limited and things of that nature. But thoughts on that? Yeah, no, this should be a matchup that they win. I know we had him peg, you know, Keem Hicks, Cleo Mack winning against Detroit last week. But this one should be where where you see more of that pressure, more of the pocket just collapsing on Daniel Jones. It should be. And then, look, if they have Evan Ingram blocking Khalil Mack or even a Robert Quinn, I don't care how much Rusty has, you are you're wanting Daniel Jones to get hit, to get sacked, to get pressure, because that man cannot block to save his life. He just can't. And he had a couple of drops yesterday on Monday night against the Steelers. Um I don't know again, it just seems like there's a like a, a disconnect with the philosophy what the Giants want to do and how they're kind of doing things, like leaving guys unblocked and having Evan Ingram, a pass-catching tight end, be a primary blocker, you're asking to get your quarterback hit. And if they do that against the Bears, that's going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Robert Quinn, I know a lot of people are wondering, will he play, how much he'll play, and we'll have to wait and see. I wish we can say that he'll play every snap or he'll be out there for 50% of the snaps or, heck, could be out there at all. The fact that he's actually practicing, that's a good trend, and hopefully they get him out there in the field. I think he was close last week, but they wanted to be ultra-cautious, which is fine. It's a long season, but hopefully he's out there. Hopefully he makes a play or two, and he shows Bears fans why he's here, because I know Bears fans are already getting a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth, and I know we already went over another big free agent signing a couple of off-seasons ago in Trey Burton, who had these injury history issues, who couldn't stay healthy, couldn't be on the field, and Whenever you're just throwing money away like that, whenever and you're not on top of that, we haven't even talked about it. When you're not putting money where maybe it should be going, 
and someone like an Allen Robinson, then it's a really tough situation for fans to kind of stomach. And I mean, I'm starting to feel that way, but with Quinn, it's a long season and I'll let it ride right now, but he does need to be on the field. He does need to be a productive part of this defense and elevate the play of everyone around him because that's what we talked about all offseason. He should help Khalil Mack because he should win his one-on-one matchup on the other side. And without right now, we haven't seen that because Mack needs that help or we need someone to win that matchup on the other side if Mack is being double teamed. And we need to see that. And that's as simple as that. Are you still here, Nick? Your your uh, internet seemed like it went a little fuzzy for a second. Oh, yeah, I'm still here, still listening. I heard everything you said there, and I completely agree with everything about Quinn and just being the compliment that the Bears haven't had since Mac has been here. Okay, just making sure because it was kind of choppy, and I was like, if I'm talking to myself, that would be very sad. So for me, <laughs> like I just said, Robert Quinn, show us something this week. You don't have to show us everything right out of the gate, but let's just get progress. And if we can get that going forward, the defense should be better off for it. So from one concern, let's move on to another, and that is Danny Trevathan. Uh, He started the season, as Brandon would say, way back in the day on the struggle bus. Uh, Maybe more of the sluggish bus, but was it rust? Is it age? Nick, I don't think we know yet, but let's just assume it's a worst-case scenario. How and you put it in the notes, how screwed would the Bears be if Danny Trevathan ends up showing serious signs of regression in age? Well, the thing is, Will, Josh Woods, Joel, EA, Buniwe did not take any defensive snaps against the Lions last week. So if that were the case, if Danny Trevathan is just on a downward trend where it's not going to get any better, you're putting guys in there and asking to play obviously a very significant role in the defense and these guys don't like we've we've highlighted you know in previous shows how much inexperience they have actually playing on the defensive side they do stuff on special teams no doubt but to ask that much out of one of those two guys to be the guy that's a lot to ask for well I know there's a lot of playmakers on this Bears defense but you have to think week in and week out an offense is going to say, let's get you know Josh Woods in a bad position, Joel E.A. Buniwe. But I wonder, like just watching Danny Trevathan, he the man looked like he was in in just quicksand. He was yeah. he was slow. He, like it didn't matter what it was, a crosser, like even the DeAndre Swift should have been game winning touchdown. He just got fooled on what was a not even a very good route. It was supposed to be like a little wheel route in a sense where he's trying to fake the out. He didn't even fake I don't, yeah, the out. I don't, know, just, I don't know if he's fooled or if it's mind knows, body can't do it. It could be. And if that's the case, I mean, he's a liability then. If that's the case where he's just not able to get in position anymore, he is then being a liability. And maybe we're over, maybe overblowing it. It was one game, but he just it was that bad enough for us to really be taking this seriously and to think about the the repercussions of just having him out there on the field well you talked about that drop that was the only completion when targeted by the way it was other than that the other six targets were catched uh, he allowed about 55 yards after the catch just due to the fact that he wasn't able to be in a position at the point of the catch six catches allowed uh as i mentioned the average yard per completion when he was targeted was 16 yards so you're just getting gutted uh and nick this week if they send barkley on a route and it's Trevathan's responsibility. I'm holding on for dear life this week. I mean, it's just, it's a real scary thought. And I mean, that's just this week. Uh, if that's a matchup, that's a scary matchup at that. But long term, if, like you said, if he's not 100% or if he can't be the player that we needed him to be, 
if you throw in Iebuni uh, Way, if you throw in a Woods, even if they're faster, they don't have the same IQ. They don't have that same level, level of leadership. And really the best fit maybe to replace them is no longer on the roster in Rashad Smith, who was poached off the practice squad and is now in Dallas uh, on their team. So it's a tough situation all the way around inside backer from a position that was just so deep last year that I know we're only one game in, but to be, a lot of fans are concerned. And I think they're rightfully concerned. They spent a lot of money on Trevathan. It's a backloaded contract. It's nothing they can really get out of. It's not looking like a smart move right now. And, Trevathan is a great guy. He's a great teammate. He's someone that you love here in this locker room. But if Father Time's catching up and knocking on the door, and it's a young man's game, and if he's just not, and he always gets injuries. I know last year's the elbow, so really his legs trying to be an issue. Hopefully it's rust, but as of right now, we don't know. But this needs to be something that every fan is watching for this week, next week, to see if he can get a little bit faster, a little bit better, a little bit more in position. Because if not, we got to start looking at plan B because we can't have a liability out there who's allowing six out of seven catches, 16 yards a catch, over 60 yards a yak. Not this defense. Is this defense you cannot have that one bit? No, absolutely. And I think it's just, look, had he just messed up on a couple plays, you know, like it's a couple plays. It's it's week one. No, this man had consistently just out of position. And he's going to be, like you said, under a microscope for, like you said, not just this week this Sunday against the Giants but for the rest of the season and uh, you know I know I'm going to have just a section of my notes where where's Trevathan what did he do and how how is he rebounding so hopefully that's that hopefully that's in the section as well how is he rebounding this game so yeah it's going to be interesting to watch I didn't think this would be this would be an issue I mean nobody I don't think anybody would have like Jane Trevathan was playing some good ball prior to that injury against the Lions last season and he didn't look like he lost a step but yeah, week one really exposed him, and hopefully it was just a week one thing and not just a Danny Trevathan consistently going to be doing this thing. Yeah, I want to get back to the days of Danny Trevathan where we watch a game and he almost forgot he's out there because he's just so sound and he's just always around the ball. He's always in the tackle and he's good in coverage where you're not hearing about him giving up these bigger plays. And he's just someone that is a, it just flies around to the football, and he's not doing that, and the Bears need him to be. Uh, that's how this defense works. You need two linebackers that can flow to the ball. Right now they got one, and that's going to leave half the field wide open. Roquan, he can close from sideline to sideline, but you're going to gain yards while he's trucking along to make up for it. And if it's in coverage, you're putting extra pressure on your safeties, uh, things of that nature that maybe is a you know not the ideal strategy because they're there, but they're also if they're helping you – then they also aren't doing their intended job either. So it's a it's an issue that we need to keep up uh, watching, and hopefully it's something that's after the end of the next post game show. We're like, hey, he got better, and then we can breathe. Like, hey, we overreacted, but <laughs> I hope that's the case, man. I really do. Anything else on D? No, I think. I mean, obviously, we know that this wasn't what the unit that we were expecting for 2020, and I'm looking to hopefully see a rebound game, not just from Danny Trevathan. We do need to see that, but really the entire group just coming together and playing the brand of football that we've all come to know and expect from you know this Bears team. Yeah, Pagano said he's not happy one bit from the effort that he saw from this defense, and from his words, he says he's expecting a, quote, big shift 
this week from the level, the effort, and just the overall production from this defense. We know it. They should not be beaten on the ground like they did. I mean, maybe they will. If Trevathan's an issue and Eddie Goldman, life without him's tough, then yeah, maybe they will become a defense that can be ran on. Secondary, I think we feel better about, but we'll have to see how everything else in the middle kind of shakes out. So let's move on to special teams. What's the big topic on special teams this week? Is it Santos kicking? Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. We're practicing at Soldier Field, kicking in the elements instead of in a dome. What do you got? Yeah, I think so. Cairo Santos, very similar to what was happening last year. I'm He's expected to go to Soldier Field and kind of practice there this week. I think he's heading there tomorrow to do that. But, yeah, now he gets to go from an indoor um, you know, stadium in Detroit to an outdoor kicking at Soldier Field, you know, and, and battling the elements, whatever the elements are, are expected to be on Sunday. And I think that's just going to be the storyline until Eddie Pinheiro is healthy enough to come back. But I think it's going to be interesting, Well, if he has another day where he's perfect from field goals, extra points, doesn't have any, you know, bad kickoffs or anything, and, you know, he's just being consistent, and Eddie Pinheiro's back ready to come back from IR, I wonder, do you just make the change? Does that, I don't know, mix up momentum? I mean, that's something to talk about for maybe a later time, but I was just thinking about that as, in terms of, like, if the Bears are just gelling, they're winning, they're they're still you know, right. Do you doing make good on special teams? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see when that time comes. Yeah, it would be. By the way, uh, looking at the weather for Sunday, because why not? Uh, Sixty nine degrees, nice, and then also eleven miles per hour uh, wind that day. So should be a very beautiful day for football. And eleven miles per hour is something to keep track on. It's not the other days you're looking at like eights and sevens and single digits in 11 so it's not enough that i think it'll be a crazy factor it won't be swirling or anything of that nature but it's not a dome uh where things are just pretty mute you know what i was when you mentioned the weather there will i immediately thought of that crazy trubisky stat where he just dominates when it's a certain i don't remember how hot it needs to be or what it is it's, but if it's, it's in the 60s it is in the 60s so we could see trubisky just light it up because it's I don't know. It's it's a Trubisky stat that only he could he can do. It's a Trubiskyism, and we'll we'll see. You have to f- go back and find that really specific stat. I remember it's the quarterback countdown show, right? It is. You know, I'm going to see if I can. Maybe someone put it in the comments. I don't know, but I'll no I'll, I'll find remember. it eventually. No one's going to remember. No. that was too specific. All right, uh, moving on. Let's look about some X factors here, and let's talk about our offensive X factor. Who do you got? Yeah, so, I mean, when I was preparing for the show, I'm like, who... Trubisky's, like, the big one, right? If he doesn't have a good game or if he has a... You know, if he does have a good game, it makes the life a lot easier for the Bears' offense. But I think an X factor that can open up things immediately. And I I don't know who I chose week one, but I think Anthony Miller is an X factor in this one. I'm sorry, Well, I had to do it. Like, just be looking at the stats and how bad the Giants were against slot defenders if they're going to be in this dime package a lot of the time just because of the the history of the defensive coordinator coming from the Patriots that's what they like to do run a lot of dime defense 
you're going to have a lot of matchups where Anthony Miller's going to be favored, and our guy, get him, get him. If he's the one guarding Anthony Miller, just say good, just say good night already, and just give Anthony Miller the ball, give him his yards, and possibly touchdowns. I think he's on a roll. We haven't seen Anthony Miller have a good start to the season ever in his Bears career. To have a hot start, touchdown, first game. Let's see how he builds off that. And he's a very you know passionate player, and I'm sure he's going to want to you know, the football a lot more now that he's already seen the end zone one time in week one. So I think this is just a matchup looking at this defense, how they like to run the defense of Giants and what the Bears will do to exploit it to where it's just favorable. And if he opens things up, we know Allen Robinson, he had a really good game against the Giants last year. I think over 100 yards and a touchdown in the middle, which was underthrown by Trubisky, but it still got the touchdown. We know it can open things up, especially if they can work the middle of the field. Old jab right there, huh, Nick? Just a slight one. We haven't we haven't <laughs> talked about Trubisky all the way yet, so I get it, I get it for sure. I had Miller on my notes, so you're really putting me in a bind here because I do like to have us uh, look otherwise. So I'll go on the fly. Nothing written down here, but I think David Montgomery is another strong X factor candidate here because if the Bears can run the ball effectively, I don't think he'd be the primary. Or he's the primary, but he wouldn't be the only. X factor in terms of rushing the football, but since he's supposed to be the lead back, I'll go ahead and give it to him. But if he can have a night kind of like what Benny Snell did against the Steel against from the Steelers against the Giants, uh, over 100 yards, everything six yards per carry. He doesn't have the average six yards to carry. We'll love it though. But if he can do that, and the Bears can either get the push on the inside or still exploit the Giants on the outside, like we saw Week One. Although I bet you they make some adjustments uh, when it comes to that. And they can move the football. They can have some early success on those downs to put themselves in better third down uh, situations. And perhaps they can pick up a few third down conversions on the ground due to David Montgomery's ability to pick up those yards. Offense lines turn in really just the entire rushing attack. But for David Montgomery, if he can have himself a night, this offense is going to be rolling because they'll have to step up, load the box. You can expose the corners then going deep or just getting behind the coverage. So for me, if the Bears can run the ball, Trubisky's job gets easier. The offensive line plays a little bit more aggressively, gets a little bit more confidence. I think we saw that same thing happen in Detroit. We'll see it happen again here against the Giants. Yeah, like when we're going to name this the wild or didn't we talk about that? The wild card or something like that changed X Factor to wild card. I think we were talking about we that. We did. Like, I don't uh, know how that. It depends on the perception. Do we want to maybe put this as X Factor or wild card? And you can choose like, hey, I have an X Factor. And then maybe the other guy's like, well, I got a wild card in offense. And then we can do it like that. Hey, making changes on the fly. Uh, I, I could do a wild card on defense if we want to make it happen right now. Yeah, let's go. Let's go wild card, man. All right, so wild card, it's going to be Robert Quinn. I don't know if you had that as, as your guy there, Will, but depending on whether or not this guy plays, I think it does change really the way that this defense kind of approaches maybe even blitzing or just trying to get after the quarterback because you know he's a guy that can win his one-on-one matchups. He hasn't practiced in full. and it It's been some time, but you have to expect his one thing that Robert Quinn does. He's a speed guy, and he uses that speed and that get-off off the line of scrimmage to win most of his matchups. And if that's his go-to and his ankle's feeling all right enough, then, hey, that changes really how the Giants really got to play things. Maybe they do have to chip him a little bit, knowing that they have a rookie, uh, a granted, a top-five pick in their rookie left tackle going up against Quinn. But I saw times where their left tackle was just left looking where, where the pass rusher was at. 
because, again, the speed rush was just too fast. So that could really be a wild card for this Bears defense, just getting a pass rush because that's where things happen for them. Yeah, pass rush opposite of Khalil Mack would be huge. I agree. That would be a wild card. That can change the entire dynamic. By the way, real quick, Kenny on Periscope. So he's watching here on Twitter. Nick, it's 66 degrees. He was listening, and he found it for you. Wow, you are the man. So 66, and it's supposed to be 69 So it can change, though. It can change. Maybe it happens, what, in the fourth quarter or something, and he goes off again or something like that. But, yeah, there we go, 66. Easiest job in the world is being a meteorologist because you're wrong every day and no one cares. So, (laughs) But this was Google weather, by the way, so you never know. Let's check a few other sources. Maybe we'll get our our hopes up that we can have a perfect 66-degree day, even though I know that was the temperature of that Bucks game, and that's why that stat's so askew. But that's besides the point. Uh, For me, defense – I don't know, Nick. There's not much that we haven't said that uh, isn't really an X factor. We kind of hit on them. Uh, very first talking point, as well as you hit the second as your wild card. And for the third uh, with Danny Trevathan, that's another one, too. I'm glad, though, that you know they have Darius Slayton. Maybe they get Golden Tate back. But we feel pretty good about this secondary where I don't think Jalen Johnson, I wouldn't call him an X factor right now in terms of like, or a wild card. Like He's someone that I think he's going to hold his own and we're going to be okay. It's If he struggles, sure. The defense is going to struggle, but I don't really envision him having a terrible day. Sure, he may have his moments, but he should be fine. So for me, X-Factor, you went Robert Quinn. It's tough. I'll go Bilal Nichols because if he can find a way to get that push that he did not get against week one versus Detroit, that's great. We saw the Giants interior. They were getting a lot of push in the pocket. Exterior, they're getting collapsed, so they had nowhere to go with the football. If Bilal Nichols, heck, I'll throw in John Jenkins again. If they get dominated up front in the gut and you get Saquon Barkley moving in between the tackles, that's going to be a problem because the Giants, if they want to lean on him and he's steamrolling kind of like what the Lions did with AP, Barkley's a little bit younger. He's a little bit faster. He can be equally as dominant. Uh, I would be uh, remiss if I wasn't fearful of Barkley, even though he had a really bad week one due to poor offensive line play. So for Nichols and Jenkins, they can't allow this poor offensive line to still dominate them. They need to find a way to be play like Eddie Goldman, hold that gap integrity, do not allow a double team to just obliterate you, get you out of the play, and just turn you out. And even if it's a one-on-one matchup, you have to hold that A gap. If you're getting moved over to the B gap, it's going to be all over for this Bears defense because you're going to have the other guy getting to Roquan, Danny Trevathan. It'll take him about four years to get there to the goal to make a make a <laughs> stop. So for me, games. you know what? Another Brandon throwback. Games are won and lost in the trenches. And if Bilal Nichols and John Jenkins will lose at the point of attack against Barkley with a Giants offense that can't really run the ball yet, that can be a problem. So for me, that's going to be my X factor, whether if they do that or not. And speaking of X-Factors, I know we have a few of those uh, that we like to discuss here each and every week in the Chicago Audible. By the way, I do have one. I don't think I gave you that specifically, but go ahead and take it away, sir. Yeah, and these are the X-Factors that are obviously not on the field, but they're behind the scenes supporting our show every single time, and we couldn't be doing this without you. So our first shout-out goes to Matthew Clemens, and really the Clemens family. Guys, uh, you are amazing. Uh, I think I tell you that every single week, but you truly are, and we couldn't, like I said, be doing what we're doing without you guys and just all your constant support, so thank you. And then our next shout-out comes from Leanne. Leanne, thank you so much for your shout-out. 
Uh, thank you so much for the donation. <laughs> That's where I'm getting the shout out. But, um, you know, it was funny. Like, right before I saw something, like, hey, wait, how do I... For for some reason, Leanna, Leanne, and then I always do a name pronunciation, Will, just to make sure I get it right, and maybe it's wrong too, but we try to get the shout-outs. I know we're not the best pronunciations of certain players, but we try to get our um, great fans their names right, so thank you so much, Leanne. And of course, and I know you guys have heard this name plenty of times, a constant uh, donor to the Chicago Audible, Mason West, and wanted me to tell you a little bit about Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois. It's a physical therapy office that emphasizes hands-on therapy while maximizing performance by increasing strength and muscle activation. Whether your goal is to play pickup basketball in the park or compete for a starting job on your college team, Team Rehab can help you reach your goals. They see everything, post-surgical, nagging pain, injury prevention, performance enhancement, and all ages, such as a 10-year-old gymnast to a 6-year-old runner. Mason West is a former collegiate wrestler and lacrosse player who combines his passion for sport and rehab into one package. You can contact Mason at 224-512-7200 or find him on Instagram at dr.masonwest underscore sports PT to begin your journey to be the best athlete you can be. And we have one more. I, I usually do Mason West last just because of, you know, just telling you about team rehabilitation. But we also have Kenny from Decatur, Illinois. So, Kenny, thank you so much for your donation. We really appreciate it. And, of course, what you want to get a shout-out. What about mine? I, that's right. I'm, I'm jumping the gun. Yeah, you, you, you are. Right ahead, you are. I got Stefan. Uh, not the first time from Stefan. All the way from Copenhagen, Denmark. So, Stefan, from as far away as you are, the fact that you still appreciate our show and you appreciate our insight and our coverage and i know this is not your first rodeo in terms of getting a shout out so i want to make sure that's known and just how appreciated nick and i are just like the, with the clemens family just like with mason west you know reoccurring people supporting our show it just means so much to us uh, so Stefan, thank you nick uh one more before you give the cta we got another update from the Chicago Audible Horse. Uh, really cool video. It was on Vimeo, so I wasn't able to, like, I wanted to pull it into the stream to show people an update. I'll work on that maybe for next week, but the, the, the Colt, the Chicago Audible, it's it's growing up, and I know it's for sale here soon, so if you ever see anything out there like Chicago Audible for sale, it's not us, don't worry, it's the horse. <laughs> um, and if you're looking to buying a racing horse and you're listening to the show, maybe we have a breeder who listens, maybe there's a buyer that listens, maybe we can bring the two together, but... Just cool ways that people decided to support, show their support, like naming a racing horse after us. Just incredible. Yeah, seeing that video was, I mean, again, the horse got so big. Like, the yeah. Chicago Auto was so big and, you know, just a beautiful horse in general. That was really cool, and I'm glad you shared that, Will. And bef- now, to if you want to get a shout-out, here's how you can make that happen, either through Venmo or PayPal. If you send us any donation, We'll give you a shout-out on the next podcast. When you send us that donation, let us know where you're from and then who to address a shout-out to, and we'll make that happen. And for Venmo, here's what you have to look up. The username, the Chicago Audible. Again, you should see my name, Nicholas Moriano, and the Chicago Audible logo. And on PayPal, you can make the donation to www.chicagoaudible.com dot com slash paypal and one more time for venmo the username is the chicago audible and paypal look up www.chicagoaudible.com slash paypal yeah thank you so much uh for those that donated this week and i look forward to doing shout outs for our next preview show so yeah help support us help us offset some of the costs of running the show or heck buy nick and i a dinner maybe we can each get like some 
to-go food, some takeout food, hop on, do a stream over dinner and just hang out. That'd be something like fun to do as well. And buy us food. We like eating <laughs> something. I don't <laughs> this know. This is true. Yeah, right? All right. But all right, let's get back to business here, Nick. And up next, we have our matchup, our backbreaker matchup. Last week, I talked about... Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. An offensive backbreaking matchup. So this week, it's up to you to give us the most pivotal matchup that the Bears' offense is facing. Who do you got? Yeah, so again, this was a tough one because I didn't... Looking at the Giants' defense, it's not the most daunting, right? I think we saw that just after what happened on on Monday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But it all does come down to one man, Will. It's Mitchell Trubisky just versus... And this is really the Giants' defense in general. And I know this may be like a a getaway card or like an easy way out. It is, it is. is. But... It really does factor into like Mitch and what which Mitch Mitch are we going to see? Are we going to see the one in the fourth quarter or the one for the entirety of three quarters that just could not get the team in the end zone? And if that's the Mitch that they get against a Giants team that we've talked about all podcasts that you can't sleep on them, then you're just going to keep a team within the game. And that's something that you cannot do, and especially because the Bears right now, they barely won. I wouldn't consider them a good team. They, they were hanging on to a thread with the Detroit Lions, and they, they came away with a victory. So I think the backbreaker is if Mitchell Trubisky plays just a majority of the game or the entire game like he did the first three quarters against Detroit, the Bears will find a way to, the Bears will find a way to lose. And there, there's not going to be that little, you know, get-out-of-jail-free card with a DeAndre Swift drop touchdown. So that's going to be key to this game and seeing if he can maybe just build off the mistakes he made in those three quarters. You saw him just throwing off his back foot, making questionable decisions, trying to force the ball to Allen Robinson one too many times as opposed to maybe reading the defense all the way and just allowing the play to kind of happen or making a dumb sack fumble with minus 22 yards. You can't do those reoccurring things that we've seen so he's the backbreaker, Will, and honestly, he could be the backbreaker every single week because that's just how pivotal the quarterback position is and what it really means to the Bears offense. So, yeah, I took the easy way out. I really did, but we got to see which Mitch shows up this week. And, God, I really hope because I can't do that again to where I have to wait until the very final minutes and see what happens because it's a lot to take, but... Mitchell Trubisky's a backbreaker, and let's hope that he plays more like the fourth quarter than he did the first three. Yeah, no, absolutely. By the way, I'm going to throw a, a, a what do you want to call it? A, well, this one isn't Mitchell Scott, but I threw an anchor a man one up there for it. So I don't know if you know this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Gif over on the screen, over my face. So you'll see there in a minute. <laughs> I, I, I got, I, I'm making them deep fakes Mitch gifts this week, and I don't know, I'm having fun with them because why not? You, you got to have some fun once in a while. But for me, I already kind of talked about it, and I try not to give it completely away, but Nick, it has to be Saquon Barkley versus Danny Trevathan. I mean, it, yeah. re- it really has to be. Like, 
Secondary-wise, they should be fine. You, I think you just saw it, but going across, yeah. Uh, going across, though, for sure. I mean, if Barkley, he led the team last week, the Giants, with nine targets. I don't care if it's a screen pass. I don't care if he's going out there for a route, but if it's Danny Trevathan's guy, I mean, I'm holding on to my seat. I'm holding my breath each and every one of those downs. Um, we just know how dynamic he can be uh, with the ball in space. I, it's just tough. It really is. Like he can get out there in a screen, and if that's supposed to be Trevathan's responsibility, and he's three steps behind. That could be 10, 12, 15 yards down the field before he's getting tackled. If he's running a route like we saw with Swift in the red zone, I mean that's going to be. If Swift's making a miss like that, just imagine Barkley with a little bit more experience, a little bit more shiftiness to him, can do as well. So, and this isn't even. Barkley is a runner. This is purely as a receiver. It really worries me. And if they find a way to exploit that consistently, that's the backbreaker on defense because you can't really find a way to help him too much if it's Trevathan's guy and they're just finding a way to beat him each and every time. I mean, you can try to flip him in Roquan, maybe do a lockman type of situation, but I don't usually see the Bears defense do that. So, it was, I mean, they didn't change it in game when they kept going after Trevathan the last time. They've Lions kept finding ways to do it. So maybe it wouldn't just be Barkley. It'd be whoever they want to throw at Trevathan is the backbreaker. But Trevathan in coverage? There you go. Trevathan in coverage. That's going to be the backbreaking matchup for the Bears because the tight ends for the Giants didn't have a good game either. If they find up find a way to just go off on Danny, yet another issue that this Bears defense is going to have to find. So Danny Trevathan and your liability and coverage is going to be our backbreaker unless you prove it's rust and you're playing a little bit faster here in Week 2. All right, so it's time to go ahead and find out who has the edge, and this is where we kind of boil things down. We have each side of the ball, Bears offense versus Giants defense, rushing, passing, and vice versa. I'm going ahead and beginning this time. I have the Bears running offense versus that Giants run defense. And for me, Nick, I got to go with that Bears running offense. They got such a tremendous push, and they were playing as one unit against Detroit, very much in sync getting and beating the point of attack, pushing into the second level. And the Steelers were able to do a lot of the same. The only difference that we talked about already is exposing the Giants by getting around to the exterior as well as just creating great creases uh, right off tackle, right off the tight ends as well. So I expect the Bears. They're going to fall suit, uh, give everyone some breathing room in the backfield, create some holes. David Montgomery won't be contacted in the backfield all too much. Same with Tariq Cohen. And if that's the case, the Bears running offense should easily win this matchup. I just like our matchups across the board when it comes to the linemen. So for me, Bears are running offense is an easy win. So Nick, I'll go over to you. Bears passing go versus that Giants passing defense in their secondary. Yeah, I have to go with the Bears passing attack there just because I don't see a lot of playmakers for that Giants you know, secondary, just that, that passing defense in general. This changes, though, if Marcus Golden, Lorenzo Carter, pass rushing guys can get, you know, take advantage of the Bears' tackles. But, you know, I think Matt Nagy will do a good job of getting the ball out of Mitch Trubisky's hands and just, again, and we talked about this earlier, just exploiting some of those secondary players. I don't have to say Isaac Yidham's name again, but that's a guy that I really like, or really even, what is it, Bradbury over there on, on the right side. So there's guys that you can exploit, and I think Matt Nagy's going to use that to his advantage. So I have to give it to the Bears' passing attack, and really with these first two defenses that the Bears are playing, it favors, as bad as the Bears were offensively, Last year and for three quarters against Detroit, the Bears are should be favored in these matchups, and I have them favored in this one. 
Switching over to the defense, I'll start with the Bears passing defense versus that Giants passing offense, and I'll give it to the secondary. I've already gave you uh, everything in terms of my concern with Danny Trevathan. Uh, maybe they have to find a way to help him. I know that exposes the defense elsewhere, but perhaps that's the, the route the Bears will need to go here. But we, Jalen Johnson, he proved he was NFL ready last week. Fuller's typically pretty locked down. Uh, we don't know if the Giants are going to get Golden Tate back or not. It may not matter all too much. I'm sure he, I mean, he's a good player. Uh, he's also a little older. He's someone that I think the Bears, they've had good success with in the past. Pass rush, as we know, will play a factor here, and the Bears should find a way to get pressure on Daniel Jones. And Jones, too, he's someone that you can bait him into throws. You can force him into mistakes. He will give you opportunities. So for all those reasons, I believe the Bears have the edge here uh, when it comes to their passing defense, their secondary, versus the passing attack from New York. So that just leaves the Bears' run D versus that Giants' rushing attack. Where's your head at? Yeah, well, this, I think, could be an interesting one if the Bears make it because we saw what they did last week against Detroit. It was not very good, and that's Adrian Peterson running the football. But you look at what the Giants did against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's a very good defense, top-five defense. Daniel Jones led the team four carries, 22 yards rushing. He led the team in rushing yards, and unless they drastically change things up, I just don't see the Giants having success on the ground against this Bears defense. As bad as it was, and at times the holes were, you know, I can run through them and be okay and, you know, get to, get down to the ground safely. Sure. So I think that the Bears will rebound. They'll find a way to do that. And I think that the Giants are still trying to figure things out. Like I said, we talked about Ingram. If he's a run blocker, you exploit that matchup. If they're going to leave unblocked defenders to come at Saquon Barkley and tackle him behind the line of scrimmage, be my guest. So that's going to work in favor of this Bears defense. And if they get Robert Quinn with that speed off the edge too, that does help. And we have to see what Danny Trevathan, like, again, going back to being that wild card guy, he's a different player when he's fast, instinctive, filling the gaps. We got to see that guy come out. But I still have to give it to the Bears as, you know, glaring as it was to see them get exploited in week one. I think they do bounce back. And Chuck Pagano was saying in his press conference today, you're going to see a different unit. And I really do believe that. All right, moving into our coach's corner. This is where one of us looks at a strength of the opponent, other one looks at a weakness, and both of us, well, the weakness guy tries to exploit it, and then the guy who is taking a strength, you need to find a way to overcome it or at least negate it or mitigate it. Uh, so for me, I have a giant strength, and Nick, I was telling you, I was like, you know, it's kind of hard to find one that I would call a true strength, and I guess I could. I could have used a cop-out. I could have pulled a Nick here and just went again with Barkley as a receiver, but I didn't do it. Don't worry, I didn't do it. Uh, so for me, uh, even though they're not very good and they're more all right, I'm going to give it to their pass rush. Uh, just given the benefit of the doubt to players like Williams, Carter, uh, Marcus Golden, I know they can generate pressure. They don't do it all too consistently, but in spurts, they all can be pretty good pass rushers. And I know they can make quarterbacks' lives pretty dis- difficult, especially on third down if the Bears are in third and obvious passing situations yet again. So for the Bears... Offensive line, tight ends, they just can't allow it to happen. We talked about the tight ends staying in as extra blockers, and that worked out pretty well. And on top of that, the Bears, if they can just find a way to keep that pocket relatively clean, Nick, we talked about it, the matchups in the secondary, the Bears should be able to exploit those. More specifically, if the Bears have time to allow some of these routes to develop, they should be some really nice, I would hope, easy decisions and throws that Mitchell can make here. And heck, 
throw in max protect like we saw week one too. Give Mitch limited reads and just give the receivers some time to go through their progression. And I'd also maybe attempt to, if they are getting some rush, and we saw it work in the fourth quarter, it's easy to say, but you never see it happen on game day. Maybe you go hurry up, try to negate it. We see teams do it against Khalil Mack, so why can't we do it against po- opponents? And we know Mitch, whenever he's in no huddle, whenever he's in that hurry-up mode, he kind of finds a, a groove uh, in a way. So keep the defense on their heels. Maybe go hurry up. Maybe do max protect. Maybe you can just win five on four, and you can just we'll go with that. Maybe it's a combination of all three, but at the end of the day, Nick, the Bears can't allow the Giants' pass rush to become a big factor in this game because – Getting pressure on Trubisky is the easiest way to derail everything uh, when it comes to this Bears offense. The Giants shouldn't be that big of a factor, but they can be pretty good at it uh, if the cards kind of fall the correct way. So that's going to be uh, the strength term I'm going to use of the Giants that the Bears need to find a way to negate. So how about you? What's something that the Giants aren't very good at that you want to see the Bears exploit? Well, so we definitely talked about it, too, and I just think that, you know, when you look at, and you know what, I mean, I could go either side of the ball here, but let's just say for the Bears to have success on offense, it really is going to come down to exploiting, and again, the secondary, let's be completely honest here, it's not a good unit, and I, you know what, instead of the Bears actually going maybe more of that big front with tight ends, Let's get a lot of the wide receivers out there. I want to see like these three by one sets and maybe even more of those wide receivers. Like we didn't see a lot of wide receiver screens in in this week one matchup. And a guy like Darnell Mooney with I think the ball in his hands and just being able to make people miss, that's something that you want to see in trying to test these Giants, you know, secondary players. That's gonna be, I think, an easy way to exploit some of these guys. So yeah, it's something that we definitely touched on, but that's really where the Giants struggle, just making even open field tackles or being in the right position to make plays on some of these Bears wide receivers. So it really is spread them out and let Mitch Mitch actually open it up a little bit instead of kind of going that traditional route what they did week one and trying to establish the run you could do that a little bit but I think the best way to exploit this Giants team even though they got they got you know pretty gashed with the running game by Pittsburgh I think they're still easily as uh, exploitable in the passing game and I want to see what Mitch can do with that to really prove that maybe the fourth quarter not okay. It's you're not gonna throw three touchdowns in one quarter every single game. You know, consistently. What but you can't throw twelve touchdowns in, a game? I don't think he can. Well, I think it. it's it's just not in him. <laughs> but if he's trending in the right direction, this would maybe be a good opportunity early on in the season against a you know not a very good defense to see what Mitch is all about. Okay, no, I like that, and then I'm gonna just say it here. Why can't we have both? Why can't we gash him on the ground and then also spread him wide? And hey, if you do spread him out. Maybe you have a friend in your box, and if the offensive line's just dominating, it should be uh, pretty easy picking for the Bears uh, in that regard as well. But let's go ahead and move into the final portion of our show, and it's time to hand out some predictions. And we begin, like we always do, with our bold predictions. By the way, one-third of mine came true last week. I did say that uh, a tight end would get a touchdown, a new tight end. I I said it'd be Komet, but uh, Jimmy Graham works as well, kind of. But regardless... How about you? Do you want to kick it off with a bowl prediction, or do I go first this week? Yeah, no, I think I, I made this one at like 2 in the morning. I thought it was pretty good. So last week, and especially with all the Allen, we haven't really even talked about it, with the whole entire like Allen Robinson situation, I think he's due to make just a, just have a really good game to show impact why the Bears should 
sign this man. And last last year against the Giants. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. He had six receptions, 131 yards, one touchdown. And then I looked, what is his career high? He had 155 yards. I think that was in 2014, his really big season with the Jaguars. So he sets a new career high this Sunday against the Giants. And I said, just throwing it out there, six receptions, 158 yards, and two touchdowns. So that's his. that would be his new career high. Beats it by three yards. And I mean, look, he's dominating the game. But he also scores twice and just continues this trend of dominating the Giants. Uh, he gets that on six catches? Yep. So he's going, it's big play after yeah, big play. Yeah, that's 26 yards to catch. Yards. And it came out even, that which is. is nuts, uh, by the way. I can still do division. Kudos to the fifth grade <laughs> math. But yeah, that comes out to 26 yards per catch, which, I mean, this is bold prediction time, so I like that one a lot. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. I would love to see it, though. Um, but for my bold prediction, I'm looking at another receiver here. I'm looking at Darnell Mooney, someone that he showed up a little bit, and I expect some big things out of him. And I still think... Teams know he's out there. I think he said, like, as soon as he stepped on the field, even Detroit was yelling, like, speed, speed. Like, they knew, like, what he brings to the table. So teams are scouting him, and they're cautious, and they're aware of him. But I think he gets some looks this week. So I have him not getting just his first career touchdown catch, but his first two in this game. So two touchdowns for Darnell Mooney in game two of his NFL career is going to be my bold prediction for this matchup. All right. I like it. Thank you. Let's move on to our MVB. I'll go ahead and kick it off. Uh, just like my X Factor that you kind of forced on me, though. Uh, I did have David Montgomery as my MVB. Another week where he should be getting a little bit healthier, even though he didn't look like it was bothering him at all last week. But you have to assume another week removed from the injury is just going to help his cause overall. So for my stat line for him, I have 110 rushing yards. He's going to average about five and a half yards per pop. He's going to get a score. He's going to help chew up the clock, keep that Bears defense fresh. Danny Trevathan can definitely put his feet up, relax a little bit, make sure he's 100% when he goes back out there on the field. But if the Bears can just establish a run with Montgomery, choose some clock, have some long sustained drives, just leaning on the running back, I think that's going to really help their cause. You don't have to put all the pressure on Mitch, even though we do like those matchups in the secondary so if you can just lean on Montgomery, and we saw the Steelers have some good success on Monday night, I think it's a good chance he can end up being our MVB. So for me, I'm going to predict Montgomery as the Week 2 MVB. Nick, how about you? You know what? Both are uh, bold predictions and your MVB, all offense. I'll go defense for, for my guy. And look, Khalil Mack, last time he played the Giants, did some remarkable things and was wreaking havoc on Daniel Jones. I think we're going to see that Khalil Mack, especially if we do have even any kind of version of Robert Quinn on Sunday. I think you see Khalil Mack just dominate. And he, like we said earlier, he has a good matchup to do so. And if you're having Evan Ingram, of all people, trying to chip or just block this man one-on-one, you're asking for it. So I think when it's all said and done, Khalil Mack will show why he's still one of the best 
defenders in the NFL just wreaking havoc on Daniel Jones. Like we said earlier, he's going to hold on to the ball for a little bit. He's going to try and give his offense chances. He likes to do this thing where he just kind of backs up and backs up and backs up and waits for a guy to get open. Khalil Mack's kind of one of those guys that will exploit that and will look to get the football and not just a sack. So I think when, like I said, all said and done, Khalil Mack will be the MVP. All right. I like it. We got some defensive love here at the second, well, the last part of the show. So that's good as well. They need it. Uh, for our game pick, we are both 1-0. Again, loser this year. They're going to have to wear some Packer gear, Viking gear, Lion gear, go around the city of downtown Chicago, maybe take a photo in front of Soldier Field. Maybe we'll frame it, and you have to put it in the background of your shows for all eternity at the end of the day. Maybe just thinking out loud here. we got to make uh, keep those stakes hot. Uh, so, obviously, if we all pick the Bears all season, we're going to have a tie, and we're both going to have to do it. So that may be a problem. So I know with that, you're going to go ahead and just go with the Giants this week. So that's a good, easy win for me, right? No. <laughs> I'm sorry I can't make it that easy. I'm sure it'll get really interesting you know, real soon, actually. So, but I do have, I just feel after talking about this, Will, I feel confident what the Bears can do and hopefully what they can build off of last game and try to, you know, just again, correct a lot of those mistakes that we saw defensively and for the offense, too, to build off of some of the great things that they did in that game, especially in that fourth quarter. But seeing how the Giants, they just, there's Daniel Jones will throw, give you an opportunity, like I said, and that defense doesn't scare me. So, I'm seeing that Pittsburgh scored 26. The Bears scored 27. We're going Bears 30, Giants 17, high-scoring game. And if it's 66 degrees, Mitch is going off. So that's the that's the real X factor that I should have said earlier. The but weather? 30, the weather. 30 to 17 Bears. The three temperature differences that we can perhaps see throughout this game. The three degrees Fahrenheit that we need to see this weather drop. I mean... I did say this, the high was 69, so maybe around kickoff, it may be pretty close. So we got to def- we gotta get the ball. Uh, so either we lose the toss and they defer or we get it and we need to go, go, go before it starts getting later in the afternoon. That may just, I, we have to look at the hourly uh, here next. When we do confidence meter, I'm going to have to look it up because I'm just super curious now. That may be, <laughs> may be a recipe for success for the Bears. So watch out, uh, meteorologists worldwide. So for me, Nick, I think everyone knows we're going Chicago here, and I don't think I need to even harp on all the million of reasons why. But, and you hit on a lot of good ones, so I'm just going to piggyback off of you, and I'm going to say, but with all that, don't forget what I said on top of the show. The Bears make games so much closer than they need to be every week. They're going to they're gonna make you rip your heart out, put it back in, stomp on it a few times. I said in the last game, I feel like I lost like 27 years of my life just on that last game. So for me, I'm giving the Bears 24. I think they should be able to score more, but let's not get our hopes up. It was one week, um, but we do expect good things from this offense. And I got the Giants 21. It's going to be a close game. Defense, they're going to have their moments. And hopefully Pagano's right. We're going to see something completely different. They're going to be lights out again. But I'm not going to hold my breath on that just yet. I need to see it first. And again, Bears allow opponents that shouldn't have much business sticking around do so. And I know the Giants aren't good. They're more average and maybe even just slightly below average in the NFL this year. So the Bears just play down. So for me, 24-21, prove me wrong. Win by two scores for the first time in about a year. And then we'll have a great, great postgame show uh, come Sunday afternoon. So, Nick, I'll go check the weather report again. I'll dive in. So how confident are you that the Bears end up winning this game? 
Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, Will, it's probably going to be closer than what I predicted there for my game pick. But I do just like what the Bears have in terms of what they can do to exploit this Giants defense. And, again, we it really could be a mix of the rushing attack and just the, through their passing game. And it all really relies on Mitch. But I do like what the Bears can do offensively. And I just think defensively, they're going to improve. They really are. So confidence meter. I don't remember what I gave the Detroit one just because it was week one and we didn't, there's a lot of, you know, factors being the first game and whatnot, but I'm going with an eight here. I feel confident that the Bears will start off two and oh, they're back home at Soldier Field, obviously a different kind of atmosphere. What every team's kind of dealing with no fans or most teams are, but they will start off 2-0, 2-0, and I'm feeling really good about it, so I'm going to give them a solid 8. All right. I like that a lot. So, solid 8. Uh, by the way, I, I can't find an hourly that goes that far in the future, um, but Bacon in our chat, which, by the way, he's always in a chat. He's telling us, Nick, 66 degrees. It'll be 2 p.m., so it'll be 65 at 1, 67 degrees at 3. So there's a really good chance we're going to see some 66-degree weather here on Sunday, and it's I know Trubisky just tends to go off on that weather. So just letting you know, there's a chance that that may be your X factor. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm looking on here. It says 66 on whatever the Samsung version of the weather. It's just what it comes with the phone. So I'm just telling you right now, if you see Mitch Trubisky go off, you could thank the weather. Tweet it after the show, man. <laughs> like, like, Hey, if we're I'm looking seriously. at the weather at 66. Find your stat again. We'll get it out there. People need to know this is the important nitty gritty details. People tune in. And listen to, and they follow our Twitter for. I know it is. You know Basically. it is, right? That's what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. That and the fact that you have a bidet just like Will Hernandez. Yeah. That, I mean, that's obviously what people need to know about. All right. So for me, Nick, you're at an 8. I think last week I was at a 7.25. I'm going to bump up to a 7.5. So I'm getting a little bit more confident. There are some things that, again, we are concerned about. Danny Trevathan. But overall... Both sides of the ball, the Bears, we already said they have the edge. They have the advantage. But it's just that tendency to keep teams sticking around that really scare me. Playing down to your competition really worries me. It's something, actually going back to my game this evening with my middle school team, we played a team that wasn't nearly as good as our first opponent, but we let them look just as good. And that's what was really frustrating as a coach because I know we're better than that. I know that other team wasn't just that good. Uh, It's just playing down to the level of competition and just not executing and winning your matchup so for me i'm gonna give it a 7.5 the bears are the better team but the bigger question is will they actually show it can they show it for all four quarters that's the question can they just impose their will on an opponent or will they just play a game due to the level of the competition they're facing which is probably the most likely answer so for me the fact they'll keep them hanging around just like we saw against detroit worries me so i can't be ultra confident but i still do believe the bears will win i'll put it at a 7.5 so nick what's going to be your final thought as we kind of wrap things up anything else you want to say i feel like we said it all yeah no we definitely have but i think if this team is actually legit and you know one week they are one and oh but we need to see them maybe take advantage of some of these kind of teams like this is look top to bottom this is a good bears roster i really do believe that but like you just said they let these bad teams kind of hang around and look these are not convincing wins some of the times but it is a good bears roster and we need to see if that holds true and it's a team against a D- or against the giants that maybe you can like i said exploit those favorable matchups and i want to see 
where where we actually go in 2020. It's such an up and down. See, we don't even know if it's going to play out throughout the entirety. But if the Bears are for real, and I think they could be, then they need to take advantage of a matchup like this. And let's see if they can actually do that come Sunday when it's 66 degrees. <laughs> What's for real mean, though? <laughs> I, I honestly want to know, what do you mean by for real? Like a, like a, a contender contender or like a playoff caliber team or someone that should be at least in playoff talks come December? I'm just curious. Yeah, so I think, I mean, you don't want to, if they get in, let's say with the new, with one more playoff team there, they get in at 9-7. and seven. I think you go in knowing, like, they barely made it. Like an actual... 10 and 6, 11 and 5. Look, they were just obviously 12 and 4. Like, that's how you know this team is for real. Like, they were a for real team in 2018. They really were. They were just a double doink that made them non existent anymore. But I think that's what it all comes down to. If they're actually beating down, like, they were beating down on teams in 2018. Like, buff, like, there's their yeah. blowouts because the Bears were just better. They were a better team. 2019 didn't see that. So I want to see if they can actually, like I said, exploit these bad teams and make them look bad. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I knew what you meant by that. I didn't want people to have a perception one way or the other. So I want to make sure you had a spot to clear that out. Uh, for me, I don't have anything else that we haven't said. Bears are a better team. Bears should find a way to win. Uh, they're there are reasons why. <laughs> I talked for an hour and a half. There are reasons why they should win. If you don't know them by now, re-listen to the episode or we'll do a better job explaining it next time but yeah that's about it for me uh, i'm a little tired go to full game came back here immediately to do this podcast which i love it, it made me feel much better um than i did maybe right before we started so i want to thank everyone who enjoyed uh and i hope that sorry i hope that you enjoyed our second game preview of the season it really is again i said it last week but i'll say it again it's so fun to just dive into matchups again and this time it was different because we got to look at games and figure out what teams are doing and talk about it instead of extrapolating from a whole season ago and trying to figure out how free agents are going to be and things like that. It's a little bit more concrete, which is very nice. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, take a moment. If you haven't yet, please review our show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that really does help us uh, either land some more sponsorships or at least get into more sponsorship discussions, um, as well as reach more Chicago Bears fans just like you. The next time you hear from Nick and I will be right after that final whistle blows on Sunday afternoon with our next post-game show of the season. If you want to watch that show live, uh, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And if you want to be our second Twitch list watcher, I think we only get like one per show. Feel free <laughs> if you're on Twitch all the time. Find us on there too, but no pressure uh, whatsoever. Uh, hopefully by then, though, we are talking about a 2-0 and Chicago Bears team when it's all said and done. I uh, want to say enjoy the game. We'll talk to you as soon as it's over. Nick, if I say get them, you say? Get them. <laughs> I said get them. You're supposed to say get them. Oh, I, I, I heard get them. Gosh, see, like now you botched the end of the well, show, man. But people know what we mean, though. Get them, get them. Get them. So when I say get them, you say? Get them. <laughs> I said get them again. I said get them. Oh, see, now, we can't, now we're just hearing things. Okay. Now, now we're just going too long. <laughs> All right, so for real, until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.